Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. We're in the swing of things with the AHL. A lot of news notes to get to, starting with Matt Savoy going to the AHL for conditioning stint. Pat, what's the lowdown with this? It's, is it a Shane Wright situation or is this a unique, like a kind of circumventing the NHL CHL player agreement when you're having guy in the A for a bit or, or what's the real reason he's down in Rochester? Yeah, a little, a little bit of, a little bit of everything. So, you know, he's, he's down there on, down, down there on that condition assignment. He, you know, he had played in that uh, preseason prospects tournament in Buffalo as they have every year. Um, had an upper body injury, kept him, uh, you know, off the ice out of the lineup for, for a few weeks uh, just getting back now into the suite of things. Um, this is an opportunity, kind of a, a little bit of a workaround to get him to the AHL. He's only 19 years old, technically, or at least uh, he would traditionally be able to go back to the AHL, but because he's injured, he can go down there on a conditioning assignment, uh, a la Shane Wright, go down there, get, you know, two two weeks, a right? you know, good two-week um you know, run with the Rochester Americans in, they play Wednesday night against Charlotte. Uh, they have, you know, your typical busy uh, schedule ahead of them. So um, it'll be good for him. You know, he, he got two games in uh, during the playoffs last year with Rochester. Um, I think at times he looked overmatched, um, you know, watching that, you know, not granny was playing Eastern conference final playing her. She, the eventual cup champion. I don't think that was uh all that unexpected uh, that he would have that difficulty, but you know, he's, he's now back uh, all these months later in the Rochester lineup. And I think it'll be a really good opportunity uh, to get at least a little bit of a taste of the AHL um, taste of the pro game, um, you know, kind of a workaround, you know, because there's such a gap, obviously, you know, your, your choices, if your savers are okay, keep him in the NHL or send him down to junior. Right, you know, this is a two extremes there. You know, the NHL is that nice happy medium um, where they can send him down. He can get tons of ice time. Uh, he's not trying to do so, you know, within the context of you know an NHL team that's trying to win games. Um, you know, and then the flip side of that is, you know, he's not going down to junior just right away and you know tearing it up down there. Like you know, it's a nice, yeah. uh, a nice kind of a uh, you know, you know, you know, making the best of a situation. After yeah. the player was injured, that you know you can at least get a little bit of a uh, uh, opportunity to, to send him down to the Amherst. And all indications point to him playing on the right wing alongside Isaac Rosine and Yuri Kulik, fellow first round picks of the Sabers. So it'll be interesting to see. And the Rochester Americans play six games over this period, which is mm-hmm. pretty you know substantive. Um, I think that's a, about what Shane Wright was in five or six games um, over a two week period. It's interesting to me because. You know, this is almost his preseason, right? Because he didn't get to play in exhibition action. Yeah. I think they would love a world where he can stay in the NHL. I'm sure they'll give him that chance, but you know, they'll they'll never know really if that's even worth exploring unless the, he gets this chance here in the AHL. I'm curious, Pat, like with co- these conditioning stints, like two weeks, how, how does that usually work with the team and player and just Obviously, he, as you mentioned, he played in the playoffs from last year, so mm-hmm. the amalgamation is kind of there. But what's the process usually like? Yeah, it's pretty standard. I mean, once you're down there, you're there's no restrictions in terms of uh, you know what you're able to do, and you know you're 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 essentially considered a full member of the team. 
uh, for the time that you are down there. We saw Shane Wright drop, go down last year with Coachella Valley, got a ton of ice time. Uh, you know, was playing different situations. Um, so, you know, I, I think you'll see Buffalo and Rochester really try to, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll try to maximize what he's able to do down there. And, you know, it's a pretty cool story, right? You have that line. It's all first round pitch, right? Savoy, uh, Rosine and Coolidge. I mean, you know, that's, you know, it speaks well to what they're, they're doing, uh, in Rochester and by extension, uh, you know, with Buffalo, uh, those are all three players that, you know, I think you'll see in the Sabres lineup, uh, maybe as soon as next season uh, as full timers. So, um, you know, and obviously that's been a theme, uh, with Rochester and Buffalo in the last number of years, especially under Seth Appert, that's, uh, you know, they, they've really been churning out some high-end prospects there to go up to Buffalo and, and, and be a part of that rebuild that they're doing. And um, It's something that's uh, – I think it shows a lot of trust in what they've built down there in Rochester that they would send a player like Savoy, obviously, you know, a, a you know, huge part of their future, ninth overall pick, uh, and that's where they want him to be. And I think th- th- this is – I think we've, we've obviously we discussed the situation quite a bit, um, but – this will allow him to be under the purview of Rochester and Buffalo, you know, as mm-hmm. long as possible. Right. Like yeah. you send him off to the WHL and, you know, to, to some extent, you know, you don't control you lose control. Right. You lose like, control, you know, yeah. and you get uh, your player now is, is kind of in the, the ecosystem of another team. And, you know, you, you can pop in there and, 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 and all that, but it's not the same, right? Like you're not, you're not yeah. in systems. You're not. You're not get, getting that hands-on day-to-day for um, sure. training opportunity. So this is, you know, uh, you know, this is, you know, if NHL teams, I think GMs, coaches, etc., had their, you know, had their druthers, this would definitely be what they would be doing. You'd be sending a 19-year-old lights void to Rochester on a full-time basis. This, you know, that's sure. not possible. So this is the next best thing. Yeah, and it should be noted. So once this ends, which will be like November fifth. If Savoy is scratched for five straight games, is it five straight games or eight? Five, where they can do another conditioning stint? Is it five? It's uh, five games, yeah. So, so um, if they scratch got... for five straight games, you could, in theory, just in terms of if we see him in the AHL again, you could scratch him and for five straight games, put him down. I would assume, let's say things go well, they would hopefully get him into an NHL game and not have to deal with that. But uh, basically in two weeks time, we'll know a clear idea of where he's at. Yeah. I think, I think they'll want to get him some NHL action. Right. And then yeah. sort of re- reassess after that point. Uh, you know, he'll play there, a ton, right? Like sure. now he hasn't, he hasn't played game competition in, in, in over that's a month. Either. So, yeah. you know, and that certainly is, uh, it's going to be a huge jump uh, from, yep. you know, rookie tournament where you're playing against players that, you know, some cases just drafted, you know, to now you're playing against uh, the men of the NHL, the pros, and you're also playing against players that have been, been at it, been on the ice now uh, for, for, for over a month. And, and, you know, they have, you know, four or five games under their belt. So uh, you're playing Charlotte, uh, you're playing uh, Laval. Uh, so, you know, you're going to be seeing some good competition uh, right off the bat. And you know, I, I love this opportunity for him. I think it's a real savvy move by Rochester or by Buffalo, I should say, uh, to do this. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think we'll see more of this. I think people kind of – it happened in the past, but, you know, the Shane Wright experiment last year was sort of a, a, 
a more recent you know opportunity to see that at work and yeah um, i like i like what they've done absolutely moving on to another top prospect sebastian cosa detroit red wings goaltender one of the top goalie prospects in the world he's off to a good start in grand rapids mm-hmm through uh, the first four games. He's splitting the crease with Michael Hutchinson, a seasoned veteran that has been in his mentorship role before and is probably one of the ideal candidates you'd want to be with a young goaltender like Kosa. Yeah, and it's good competition too, right? So like Hutchinson is, he's there on a trail. So, um, you know, he's playing for his uh, contract. He's playing for for an opportunity with Grand Rapids. Uh, and now you bring in, you know, you bring him along to kind of, mentor slash push slash um play alongside you know your first round pick 15th overall six foot six goalie he played uh 46 games last year in the ECHO with Toledo um so we've seen with with, with Grand or Grand Rapids and Detroit the Steve Eiserman um the models to just be very patient I mean you don't typically see a first round pick sent down to the ECHL as a rookie, you know, for that long either. Right. And, uh, you know, typically that, yeah, I've seen it a handful of times, but yeah, certainly not. Yeah. Not like that. You know, you but have you ever seen it though? That young is, is where I like maybe cause think about it. He's what no. he could have been an over it. He could have technically played junior. Yes, he could have. Yeah. Well, yeah, they could have done that. Uh, I mean, I think the ECHL is a step up from that for sure. But, um, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of teams would have just, he would have been in Grand Rapids no matter what. He would have been in the AHL no matter what. Like, that's the Steve Eiserman uh, model where, like, you're, you're we're going to put you where is best suited for you, not where you quote-unquote should be, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, you know, 20 years old, doesn't even turn 21 till next month, um, but he got a ton no. of playing time last year uh, down in Toledo. And, 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 you know, with the ECHL, you're going to see a ton of um, – Ton of shots, ton of opportunity. Now, kind of the, the funny part is he's seen a ton of that now in Grand Rapids. They've allowed uh, 41 or more shots three of the first four games. Uh, so he's uh, he's kind of been pelted early yeah. on, which, yeah, I guess, you you know, depending on how you want to spin it, that's either good or bad. Uh, goalies, of course, like to see a lot of action. So he's certainly uh, he's getting his fair share. Uh, all four games, interestingly, have been against the Colorado Eagles. Now they, uh, you know, Grand Rapids will uh, shift into a little bit more of a, uh, you know, traditional, um, you know, divisional setup. Uh, you know, although they, this this week they play Cleveland, for example, as an Eastern Conference team. Uh, so it's a little bit different. So you're seeing a little bit of, uh, to some extent, unfamiliar competition, um, even though they do see a lot of Cleveland during the year. So yeah, I, I like this. I really like, I like this. This is the right model. You know, I agree. veteran mentor. Guy that, you know, like, let's say if Kosa came in and really just stumbled and just was not sure. ready, you have you have a great, uh, you know, kind of safety valve option there. You know, Michael Hutchinson, guy you can yeah. plug in, guy that's obviously going to be, uh, you know, really at its best, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, trying to trying to uh, keep himself uh, in, a, in a pro game, in the pro game. And, you know, a guy, a guy like Hutchinson, too, like he's he's – as we know with the Jets, you know, from our time covering them, um, you know, at one point was making kind of a push for a full-time NHL job. Now, obviously that's a long ways ago, but, um, you know, a guy that's been around, been in a lot of different situations. He kind of got caught in that a uh, uh, little bit of that, you know, uh, whirlwind last year. He was in Henderson for a bit. Uh, you know, he was part of that, that you know, 
that goalie setup that Vegas had where, you know, like the injuries were just trying to come in one after another. He ends up going to Columbus, uh, played a lot there down the stretch, didn't obviously have a lot of success, but that was also a team that was playing off the string. So, you know, he's a guy who's coming in and, you know, with something to prove at, you know, 33 sure. years old. And it's funny because, so I should also mention it's early, but through his first two games, Coase has a 947 save percentage. Last year in Toledo, it started out a bit tough dealing with the chaos, but he's finished very strong in Toledo, which was encouraging yeah. for him. As you mentioned, he's not even 21 years old yet. Very young goaltender. And the Hutchinson thing, the sort of duo, it's common what we see in the AHL. And I'm curious, obviously the goaltender positions evolved where in the mm-hmm. NHL, there's no true I mean, even if they are caliber-wise, the backup isn't playing 10 games. The days of Roberto Luongo playing 70 and Curtis Sanford playing 10, uh, that's not a thing anymore, right? So you're seeing more of, of a by-committee approach, but I'm curious, Pat, if we could you know, educate listeners, why is it that you usually see this with young goalie prospects where we'll pair them with a guy like a Michael Hutchinson who's experienced as sort of that tandem you know, option there as opposed to just throwing into the wolves? Because you see too many goalies over the years get ruined by throwing them to the wolves. I think that's a simple, simplest explanation. You yeah. know, I've seen that you know through years where they're just not ready. Um, and that also is, that 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 can spin off and, and affect the development of your other players, right? Like mm-hmm. you have young defensemen where like if every time they make a mistake, uh, there's a goaltender there that's not ready and the puck ends up in their net. That just that just uh, impacts their confidence as well, right? So like. You, you can put somebody back there like a Hutchinson um, who, you know, if, if a young rookie defenseman, you know, is struggling, every mistake he makes is not going to like, you know, cost him, you know, a goal. So uh, it's, it's been a thing really. I think that maybe more than any other position um, it's evolved where uh, it's no longer, well, that's uh take the sink or swim approach and we'll see what happens. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't, especially I mean, first round pick, right. Like you can't, you can't mess that one up. Right. So like give him every opportunity to succeed. Um, and you know, you, you have a kind of a nice, uh, nice cushion there with Hutchinson. Uh, and then just obviously too, I think with the way the schedule is right. I mean, you know, this is the league now where we're th- three games, four nights travel. Grand Rapids has, I, I would say some of the more, difficult travel uh in the league so you know they're on the bus a lot uh so you really do need two goalies too where you can you can turn to one or turn to the other uh you know on any given weekend uh you're not going to see too many goalies in this era playing three games three nights three games four nights so yeah uh, it's not translatable to the next level too no absolutely not no um and i think that that's a great point right like you're trying like the the hl now has become a league where you're trying to mimic the NHL as, as, much as closely as possible, as possible. Sure. Uh, and you're not doing you're not doing three and four you know with the same goalie um, <laughs> for sure uh, very often if at all. So yeah, um, so yeah, why, so why do that at the American League, right? So this is uh, you're trying to get players as ready as possible for that opportunity. I think you know the Red Wings, you know, with a first round pick like him, a 15th overall pick, it's they expect him to be in Detroit at some point. Like, and if he's not, that's going to be a, a you know. A real setback, you know, to, yeah, for them. So they need they need this to work. I think, yeah, uh, and I think this is a really good move by them. Uh, yeah, to, uh, like this setup that they have. And before I move on, I mean, I want to just kind of highlight what you said. It is another testament to the Geyser plan because 
it, it would have been I'm sure tempting to have him in Grand Rapids, all those things, yeah. or maybe even junior, but kind of gradually building him up and having him prove it at every level is yeah. going to help him in the longer term. You talk about baking goalies, you talk about having them in there for a long time. Starting the E is probably the best way to do it. He's familiar with the pro game, and obviously the ECHL is different than the AHL, but mm. I think him going, you know, just even going through the grind and being in the trenches last year. That's an experience and it builds character. So I think yeah. uh, Kosa's set up pretty well to have a good season here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think with Eiserman too, like there's a there's a GM who's secure in his job. You know, I think both literally and also just you know the way Relatively. he's thinking. Like if you had a if you had a GM who's on the hot seat, right? Yeah, they're not doing. You know, they're not doing that. They're not. They're not uh, yeah. keeping you know a first round pick in the ECHL because. Then their 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 ownership, their 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 team president, et cetera. What's is, going is on? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? Like you know, this guy was a first round pick, and what's he doing at the ECHL? So, For but sure. you know, Eisenman obviously is uh, very entrenched there. Uh, somebody that that you know has been given a ton of both responsibility and also uh, leeway. So, um, you know, his judgment is well trusted there. So he he he, I think more than a lot of other GMs can, can quote unquote get away with that. And really do what's the right for the player, not kind of what's what's right, you know, for for optical uh, reasons. Absolutely. Let's go to our prospect of the week. This week it is Vasily Podkolzin of the Abbots for Canucks slash Vancouver Canucks organization. Tenth overall selection in the 2019 draft. He's starting his third year pro in the AHL. The first year, uh, his first pro year in North America was in the NHL entirely. He had 26 points in 79 games last season, the 22-23 season. Was flipped between the NHL and AHL, and now he's back in Abbotsford to start the year, having a strong start, five goals and six points in his first five games. It's an interesting situation, and mm-hmm. it had me wondering, you know, why was he in the NHL to start to begin with? It's, it's easy to wonder. Now, he didn't have a European outclass from what I can see online, so because usually that's a big factor in, in keeping you in the NHL, um, but I'm curious sort of, with his development, you know, you looked at it last year where he went down to the A, came back up towards the end of the year. He was a much better, more complete player and more engaged. And it makes mm-hmm. you wonder in hindsight if they really should have, if they could have, granted, if there wasn't a Euro out clause, and I don't know for sure, but, you know, you almost wish that he could have gradually built him up instead of having this yo-yo situation. Yeah, so, you know, again, uh, kind of the theme where we're, we're first-round picks. So he was a 10th overall one, uh, 2019. Uh, obviously, he came in and he had that really good first year in Vancouver, uh, 14 goals. Uh, but, you know, there were certainly there, there were some holes in his game. Um, and it was one of those situations where I think to, to Vancouver's credit, they recognized that maybe I think later than you would like. Uh, you know, this is not certainly where uh, your typical, it's not your typical development path where you start a player off full time in the NHL and then say, oh, okay, now we're going to send you back to the AHL. So uh, that's that's not ideal, but, you know, that that that's done. Um, they want him in there. They want him to play um, confidently. They, 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 they push the play. Like, like the you know, the players that obviously, you know, have the most long-term success in the NHL are guys that uh, they don't kind of just – they don't hang back and wait for something to happen. They may go out and make something happen. Right. And, um, you know, you, you can get by, I guess, hanging on kind of the fringes, but you know, you want a lot more from that, you know, and if, if you want him to ever kind of be a top six player, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need him to be a guy that can drive the play, not just kind of be a, uh, you know, a spectator. 
Um, For sure. And, and, you know, it's funny because when he was, and this is something that people have talked about, was when he was in the NHL, he was kind of playing a safe game. And mm-hmm. you don't want that. Like, you're not going to become a bonafide top six player. But on the other side of the coin, you can't just come in and start looking to snipe goals and, and be playing an offense-only game. There's kind of, there, there's two sides to that argument. But I think that when you're looking at it, you know, the KHL, historically, when players are coming from there, KHL and, and just always Russian hockey has been very structured, those hockey games. Mm-hmm. It's very defensive-oriented. Scoring points there is not at the same level of the NHL. If you look at the, some of the counting stats, uh, yeah. it's not as flashy, right? So yeah. you're, you're kind of, I think with, with him, you almost, you wish you could have had him in, in the AHL to start and really getting him to, you know, develop pro habits, develop an all-around game, all those things, but also get the feeling of being the guy. And we talk about it a lot, but I think it's important with these kind of players because how do you expect someone to be a top six forward in the NHL, a bona fide first-time talent, even hopefully, if they don't even know what that's like, if they don't have that feeling. And I think that's kind of, you know, that, that's the issue I kind of have with it and with these mm-hmm. type of wonky developments. You remember Connor McMichael with, with Washington? Yeah. They brought him up and, yeah, he looks good and all those things. But it, it so many things impact whether a, team, a player spends the first year in the NHL or not. You can talk about market factors, whether the team's do, winning or losing. You can talk about the coach that's there, about where the team is at. But you almost, I think it's, it's usually always safer to have the guy start in the AHL and, and show me, prove to us that you are good enough to be in the NHL. I think that preseason can kind of give teams blinders. I think that, yeah. you know, in this case, like Pod and needed to be in the AHL to start it out. I really believe that. I don't think, you know, he had an impressive season, but in a sophomore year, he stalled, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's something you see sometimes, but in a really um, catastrophic kind of way, you know, he really, he actually, would say he regressed. So that's kind of the risk that you run in these situations. We've seen it many, many times. Well, I always say it's always easier to, to make the phone call to give a player the call up to the NHL to make that phone call to a player that's been in the NHL and send him down. Uh, it sounds obvious, but it's true, right? I mean, hmm. you know, so... You know, had they just put him in, in Abbotsford to start, you know, in the AHL, um, it would have been a heck of a lot easier mm-hmm. than, than, all right, now you have him, you know, I think understandably so. You have a player that would think, okay, I've made it. I'm in the AHL. I'm full-time. Yeah. I played 79 games last year. Um, sure. You know, I, I'm here. And then you have to make that phone call. Uh, okay, yeah, now we're sending you down. You know, hey, you know, get, get, get your bags, you know, packed and, uh, you're in the AHL now. It's a lot easier, I think, had they done that you know, coming out of his you know training camp there before that se- that first big season. Send him down. Hey, if he goes to the AHL and just rips it up, then okay, he's forcing you to make a decision. But um, if not, uh, you know, it's it's always it, it, it really comes back to like that. You know, this just going back, to, circling back to Steve Eiserman. Like they, you know, I, whether you're talking about Tampa or Detroit, they will always err on the side of extra time in the AHL over too little time in the HL. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously served them well. Worked really, really nicely for a long time in Tampa, you know, built, built some really good teams that are doing that. Uh, and, you know, the same thing now they're trying to get done in Detroit. And, you know, uh, you know, player, I mean, it's funny now we're talking like, you know, he's, he's you know, at the make or break point, he's 22 years old. He was 20 years old two years ago uh, when that was uh, this decision. So, uh, I think if you can send him down there, just build that confidence. Uh, uh, 
all the better, right? Like you're not trying to learn on the job at the NHL. The NHL is just not a place for on the job learning. Uh, and, you know, the teams that recognize that uh, and make that incorporated into their development philosophy tend to have a lot more success than somebody that, you know, well, okay, this guy's a 10th overall pick. He should be in the NHL. Sure. He can, yeah, he can score you some goals, but how many is he going to, to cost you, right? Like in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, if, if, if all the other parts of his game, or maybe he can score some goals, but uh, because his game's not fully fully developed, maybe you're, you're leaving some goals on the table that he would otherwise might have been able to score uh, if you had developed it a little bit better. So, you know what? I, I do give the Canucks credit. They recognized it, and they, they, they made the decision to, okay, we're going we're gonna to put the brakes on here. We're going to you know, put a little bit of a, a circle back, send him down to the HL, let him get some, uh, some of his game figured out. He's obviously he's had success down there, uh, and then we'll reevaluate. It's a phone call away, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think people make this the, the they have this like, like this idea that if you send a player down, you can't call them up, mm-hmm. you know? But you can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not permanent. For sure, um, absolutely. And players get that. The, the players get that mentality sometimes too. Like, oh my god, I was sent down. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you might be you might be called up next week if you play well. So yeah. Yeah, go down there and do what you have to do, and you'll, you'll be back up. I mean, there's, you know, if, if you can make a contribution, um, NHL teams will, will certainly find a way uh, to fit you in. Absolutely. Now, our team of the week, the Dallas Stars, not the heaviest prospect pool in terms of uh, volume, but there's some definitely quality pieces there. Dallas has been a great organization with drafting and developing, whether it's their first round picks, the later round picks as well they've nailed a lot of good selections and they have a couple players that have high upside playing with the texas stars and we remiss not to start with logan stankoven 47th overall pick in the 2021 draft a big time player for canada world juniors the last two years put up historically uh massive numbers in the whl over the last two years some amazing playoff runs but here's the thing it's one of those age you know age-old adages he's a five foot eight center with amazing skill and you know, a lot of people like to write him off, but four goals and seven points in his first five career AHL games. Stankoven hasn't really missed a beat. Exceptional talent. Uh, he's got elite skill. And now we're at the point here where it's just a start. It's encouraging, but this is a big year for him in terms of proving that his game can translate to the next level and that he can compete and score at the same level he did in junior against men. So far, so good. And I love that for a young player, like especially with, you know, kind of that narrative or that question that, gets put on him like can he do it at the pro level well now he's getting that confidence early that hey i can right like um and you know yeah he's the kind of player that's interesting i think if you did a redraft even now not that long after yeah, uh, you're probably looking at first round pick uh in terms of what he's been able to do so um he's going into a great great development environment like you said they, they've had a ton of success with texas and dallas through the years um, Neil Graham will be playing for him, a, a real highly, highly detailed, uh, coach. Uh, you know, and I, I love like the thing about like a guy like Stan Coven is, um, yeah, he's small, but he doesn't play small. And yeah. I think that that matters a lot more in, than maybe small. your size, right? Yeah, like, I would agree. You know, like it's hard to make, you know, a big player play big if he's if it's just not in his mentality for sure I uh, and agree. you'll see you'll see teams try to try to make that happen over and over and over and over i mean through the years i mean how many times have we seen six four six five you know you know guys that that 
um, on paper should be a power forward. But and are kind of soft. Play. Yeah, they don't play that game at all. And they're, they're, it's it frustrates coaches and, and GMs to no end. Um, you know, like if, if this is what, you know, his size is, okay, we'll work with that. And like, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's shown at every level that he can do it. Like, mm -hmm. um, and he's doing it now for, for, for Texas, uh, who gets, um, like I said, he'll get fantastic instruction there with Neil Graham and his staff there. Um, I like this. And, and the other thing too, now, like with, with Dallas, like, they're they're a team that's a contender. Exactly, I was going to say the same. So thing. there's not going to be there's the no pressure. Rush. Okay, we got to bring this this guy up just so we can maybe squeak into the playoffs. Like, right? No, it's all right. We're going to keep him down there. Um, he's he's, he's going to get a ton of experience. He's already gotten high elite level experience. Obviously, playing World Junior, uh, playing you know you know in the WHL, playing in the Memorial Cup. Like you know, right up and down that resume. You know, for for a player that's you know is 20 years old I and mean, he just ticks all the boxes already and uh i love what they have there and uh just yeah let, let him go there let him kind of um marinate uh you know with the texas stars for, for the season and then you'll reevaluate after that for sure and i think you make i love the point you made like you saw with thomas harley last year where mm -hmm. he probably i think on a lot of organizations harley would have started the year in the nhl dallas's situation was different and he was kept down on a good Texas Stars team, took a huge step forward in his game, and then come playoff time, he's a more complete player, and it was great for him. I don't think that we're going to see Stankoven be in NHL action. I wouldn't you know, write it off completely, but if I had to guess, probably not this year. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree on all counts. Another guy we should highlight, Maverick Bork. Now, it's an interesting one for Bork because you know his rookie year last year, it started out a bit slower, but his second half, he really turned it on. And yeah. he was a, a real solid top six play driver, for the Texas Stars, he was driving play on a team. You know, and the Stars were a very good team, and he was a big part of that. He wasn't a passenger by any means. Definitely a lower ceiling than a London, uh, a Logan uh, Stankoven, I think. It, and that's you know nothing against him, just kind of the reality of it. I think you're looking at more of a uh, you know a, a middle six hopeful, if you will, but definitely an intriguing prospect in his own right. Five foot ten, he's a, a center, but he's kind of I think. I would say that he probably his pathway to the NHL is more as a winger. That's just my opinion. Had strong numbers in the queue as well. And yeah, you know, I think with, with him this year, the big thing is the 72 game season output consistency, you know, and, and when and if they get to the playoffs, being an impact player in the postseason, that's what I think is the biggest objective for Maverick Bork season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, yeah, I think this is a year now where, I mean, let, let's take take Texas for example. Like they lost Riley Barber, you know, yeah. a guy, a perennial thirty goal scorer in this league. It's a huge hole in their lineup to fill. Well, but it's also an opportunity for someone like a Bork, you know, to step up from being, you know, a guy who had twenty goals last year to maybe a guy who can push 25, 30 goals, mm -hmm. um, and, and really be like you said, uh, not just be one of the pieces, but be maybe one of the main pieces. You want him. You want him to be a real driver. On a consistent driving the play, yeah, and, and be a guy that every night is, is is capable of kind of winning you the game. Uh, being a guy that, like, you know, when the the other team in the in the dressing room down the hall is sitting there going through their pre scout, they're like, okay, this guy, you know, key in on this guy. This guy's somebody where it's yeah. gonna be a problem for us. You want him to be that guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where he's just a, a focal point. Uh, and obviously, to them, just obviously. 
just uh, bringing all the other parts of your game, uh, not only up to the AHL level, but beyond to the NHL level. So yeah, he's a first round pick. Uh, and again, they can take their time with him too. Like they don't have to force this. Uh, you know, it's just, and like I said, same thing with, with, with Stan Coven. Uh, you're playing for Neil Graham and everybody um, on that coaching staff there. It's one of the best in the league. Uh, you're getting, you're just getting high, high end instruction. Um, Absolutely. I think we'll serve him well. And I think I should also mention, I did start off by saying he has lower upside. That's just my opinion. But, you know, he's got six points his first five games. He is having a strong start with Texas. But as I mentioned, you really want to to be a consistent output before you start even entertaining the idea of him getting an NHL game, like all those things, right? So that's kind of where my head's at with, with Maverick Bork. And it's interesting because there's also the argument of, you know, Dallas contends the way they do. You could have a trade asset in a Maverick Bork. Like, sure. I think a, a Logan Sankovan is an untouchable kind of guy, at least at this point. But a Maverick Bork, strong HL season, that could be the ca- the carrot that they dangle. And I think he's another guy, too, where he, he's on the undersized, you know, relevant. And I, I, Pat, you nailed it on the head. It's more about if they play small rather than if they all, if rather than if they are small. And, you know, mm-hmm. Maverick Bork is a guy that he'll crash a net. You know, he plays hard. He, he gets to the greasy areas. Those are very important with offensive undersized players. He's by no means a perimeter kind of player so i think in terms of that you shouldn't even at this point with him i think i don't think size is really the question with him it's just about how what he can bring to you right how, how much you know surplus value you're getting from him every night how complete of a player he is what his ceiling is that's really the question with the maverick fork right now yeah. and one more guy we'll get to christian Cairo, second round pick in the 2022 draft had a very strong season with Sarnia last year and Erie, high scoring defenseman, five foot eleven, also undersized by those standards. Three points in his first five games with Texas. He, he's a project player, right? And the real question is, can he develop? And sorry, not develop. Can he defend against pro players at this level? And better yet, will his offensive contributions offset any defensive deficiencies? It's always a question, I think, with most defensemen, uh, especially like you said, those those guys that do skew more toward the uh, you know the offensive side of the game. Um, but uh, you know, again, another nice prospect in the Dallas system. You know, like for a team that's obviously a top contender, they uh, you know they 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 always seem to have a nice little uh, you know array of talent uh, coming through Texas. Um, and again, they don't have to rush them. Um, you know, we've already seen some glimpses of his offensive ability uh, w- with Texas early in their early going here, but I, I don't think that's what he'll be measured on, right? Like, you know, ultimately, what gets any defenseman to the to the NHL is their ability to defend the puck. I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's true. Uh, you know, the fact that you can put up numbers in junior, even put up numbers in the HL, is nice. But uh, first and foremost, your job there is uh, your defensive play. So mm-hmm. um, he'll be working there with with uh, Max Fortunas, a longtime pro um, in the AHL. Somebody that had to work his way up uh, into the AHL. Uh, he'll be getting a great a great set of instruction or amount of instruction there. So uh, you know we saw we saw like you mentioned Thomas Harley, a great example. Thomas Harley had a lot of holes in his game defensively. Like he was offensively, there's there's no question. Right, like mm-hmm. that, that he had everything uh, to play in the NHL. It's just all that other stuff, um, you know, the, the play away from the puck, uh, you know, and what you do that helps activate uh, and set you up for for those offensive opportunities. Uh, he had to work on that. You know, he went, you know, 
Uh, down there, spending you know a good chunk of last season there doing that, and now now there is in in Dallas uh, and, and that much a better player for it. You know, Kyrie is obviously a different situation, far uh, you know less uh, you know renowned, advanced in his game. Yeah, but uh, you know, a player you know th- th- that also means there's not as much pressure, right? Like, so he's not sure. the first round pick. So um, yeah, I, I love the fact. I just love what they're doing in Dallas um, with their entire system, what they've built there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of the best run operations uh, going, and mm-hmm. you know, for for a player like Cairo, maybe if he was in uh, some other systems, you would be concerned. Um, you know, how does he handle the adjustment to pro? But I think with with Texas, uh, I think they'll manage it really well. And you know, he's a player that you know, obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. But give him some time, and, and then we'll kind of circle back and see where he is in a little bit. All right, now before we sign off, let's get to around the A where Pat Williams empties out his notebook of things happening around the American Hockey League. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. So first off, the first uh, off is uh, Sam Gagne. Obviously, a very familiar name for NHL fans. He signed uh, to to go play in Bakersfield. That's Edmonton's affiliate. I think the connection's pretty obvious there. He has a long history with the Edmonton Oilers. He'll come in there and uh, uh, be a player. Uh, obviously, that will help you at the the AHL level. As he also will work. And, you know, to get himself back to the NHL. So uh, that's a nice little addition uh, for the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, uh, you know, the, once again, find themselves in a really tough division. The Pacific's always uh, a rough go, and uh, he's a big piece of the, you know, to add to their lineup. Uh, second thing is Columbus Cleveland, uh, officially extended uh, long term. They've been together since 2015 16. They won the, the Carter Cup their first year together. And they've had some ups and downs in terms of uh, contention since then, but they've also, you know, they've been doing their job in terms of developing some players. Uh, David Jerichek, obviously, uh, one of the big success stories there. Um, you know, and, and for for a team like Columbus that will always need to heavily rely on on player development and doing so successfully, Cleveland's been a great setup. It's two hours up the road, uh, great facilities. Um, you know, well-resourced um, operation in Cleveland. So it uh, works really well for the Blue Jackets. Absolutely. And before we go, two teams having strong starts to the year. Yeah, so you got your defending Calder Cup champion, Hershey Bears. Uh, after a 4-1-0 start, they lost opening night. They were shut out. You know, like uh, Hershey fans were kind of like, oh, as you know, it's... Beginning of the end. <laughs> Beginning of the end. Well, then they go... They rattle off four wins in a row, uh, including th- uh, three three this past weekend. Two wins in Providence, back to back nights, and they finish it off, uh, you know, on a Sunday afternoon in Bridgeport. Uh, they had a great off season. Uh, they brought in uh, a lot of talent to replace what they they had lost. I think in some ways they're actually bringing back a better roster than the one the one they had that won the cup. Mm-hmm. Todd Nelson, of course, a uh, longtime successful head coach kind of working his magic again there. Uh, the Hershey Bears are going to be just fine. Um, and then Absolutely. you have the New York Rangers uh, with their kids in Hartford. 4-0 start. Um, you know, you know, one of the best starts they've had there in Hartford almost 20 years. Uh, it's been a tough goal. And we, we've talked about Hartford in the past, like, you know, in terms of both development and winning uh, through the last number of years. Last year, they finally broke through. They made the playoffs. They went in that nice little run. They bumped off Providence. Uh, and Springfield in the playoffs uh, kind of had that late season makeover that, that helped push them into the playoffs in the first place. Um, typically a Hartford team has kind of uh, crashed down the stretch. Instead, this was a team that got hot 
another big summer uh, for them. Uh, they brought in a lot of good young talent, uh, or a lot of, I should say, good experience mixed in with some, uh, you know, young talent coming in as well. Uh, that mix has worked uh, very nicely so far. So, uh, yeah, good times in Hartford for the Wolfpack. Absolutely. All right, that caps off today's show. Thank you for listening, and we'll be sure to catch you next week with all the latest around the A and other storylines with the prospects within it. Thanks for listening.